Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, this time that we have together, this time where we're worshiping your name. Thank you that you've made it so we're able to engage you in a time of worship. Father, I pray that as we continue worshiping you through your word, I pray that you're with me as I share and you're with us as we hear it and that uh, it can be a source of encouragement and just challenge us to continue to grow deeper in our faith and grow deeper in our knowledge of you. Pray this in your great and heavenly name. Amen. You have a seat. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. So in case you don't know who I am, my name is Devin, and I'm the Family Ministries Coordinator here. And uh, I'm really excited, and it's a great honor for me to be up here and sharing God's Word with you um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them is because since I'm up here, that means John isn't. And before you think that's me saying I don't like John speaking, that's not true. I love John's preaching. He's phenomenal. But it means that he's actually away and he's on his spiritual retreat. And he's been planning all this last week and all next week where we're going to go for the whole next year. And uh, it's been really cool. He shared some of the series ideas with us. And it's just great that he's able to get away and to pray and connect with God and just see what he wants us to learn and grow in over this next year together. So keep praying for him as he's hammering out the last little bit of, of what he's got going on with, with his spiritual retreat time and pray that it's a time where he can rest and just come back rejuvenated and ready and engaged to continue to lead and teach us because it's not an easy task. Um, the other reason why I'm excited to be preaching today is because it's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of you fathers and father figures out there. Um, you guys are, are killing it. You're doing a great job. And just keep, keep pursuing and keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, I got to admit, um, when I asked if I could do Father's Day while John was away, he's like, he's like, well, shouldn't a dad do it? And I was like, well, probably, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> but it would be, it'd be cool if, you know, it was a son that could get up here and speak. Because I'm, I'm not a dad and I'm not a mom. And... I'm not, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be one, so at least not for the little bit, you know, one day God will bless me, but for now I'm not, and so it's cool when I come to these days, I have a different perspective, um, when, for both Mother's Day and Father's Day, I see them a little bit different, I, uh, I look to it as admiration for the parents that are just out there, given everything they've got to, to raise their kids to come to know God and to, you know, be like decent human beings and stuff like that. It's not, it's not easy and it's, it's a big challenge. And I also hope one day that I'll get to be a part of that and be a parent. So in light of today, it being Father's Day and it being an open Sunday on our calendar, we just finished a series called Stuck. And next week, John's going to go into a series on Jonah. So if you're behind on Stuck, you don't have to be stuck that way. And... Uh, <laughs> You can, you can catch our sermons online. We got them on our websites. We have a podcast on iTunes as well. And then we live stream everything on YouTube. So you can go back and watch and all that stuff. And then the Jonah series, I'm really looking forward to because it's such a great book. It's a really cool story. It's really interesting. But also, uh, there's a lot of real practical stuff we can learn from it. So I'm, I'm excited about all of that. But for today, I've entitled the sermon, A Word We Don't Want to Hear. And this is more me putting my own feelings on this word, me subjecting my own insecurity with the word, because I don't like hearing it. And I don't know where you're at with it. And, you know, if some of you are probably just sitting here saying, just say the word, Devin. Let's just keep it going. Um, but as I was praying and preparing for this message, um, this word just kept coming back to me. And even though I was like, God, I don't like this word. I don't want to do it. God's like, no, no, just speak on it. 
So the word is legacy. And when I hear that word, it makes me cringe. I just, mm, I just don't like it. I don't like how I feel about the word. It just, it adds pressure, and it's just not, not a fun time. And the reason for that, and I got permission to say this, so I'm going to pick on my parents. Um, since, since they came this morning, it's really easy to pick on them because I can look right at them as I'm speaking. <laughs> and um, the, the reason why that word makes me cringe is because of my parents. Now, it's not, I love my parents dearly, and it's not like they were like yelling at me, legacy, legacy, over and over again, and I'm scarred for life or anything like that. But it was, it was one day, I was probably a few years into Bible school, and I was at my parents' house for like a weekend, and we were having a dinner. And we were talking, and my parents, and by my parents, I mean my dad, because my mom said it was okay because she didn't say the word. So, <laughs> so um, my dad just kind of says, you know, Devin, you know, we're really proud of you, and uh, we just want you to know that you're changing the legacy of our family. And I'm like, oh, hold on. Like... <laughs> I did not sign up for this. Like, no, thank you. So I heard that, and I'm like, that's just way, way too much pressure. No thanks. And we've had more discussions about it, and we've talked about it more. And my parents meant it in a way of saying, like, they're proud of, of who I am and where I've become and the fact that I'm making decisions that they weren't when they were my age, and, and they're just really proud of me. And they, wanted, they said it to encourage me. But the story that I heard was... Devin, you need to be perfect. <laughs> and any time you spent with me, you know I'm far, far from perfect. So my issue with this word really is my fault, but I like to blame my parents because it's easier that way. <laughs> now, I don't know for you how that word sits on you. I don't know if you hear it and you're like, ah, it's just a word. Or if you're like, ooh, I don't know, that's a, no thanks, I don't like that word. Or maybe it's just like, you're like, yeah, it's a word, it's got some significance, but it's, it's whatever. Like, I don't know where it sits for you. But I know that it's not a word that's very commonly used. Quite outside of my parents using it, I have really never heard another human being say legacy. Um, I mean, I've seen it maybe in a book title or on a movie or like in a video game. But, I mean, it's just, it's just... In a hymn sing? I don't know. I've never been to one of those. So um, <laughs> for me, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a word I'm not very common with. But when, the words that I do associate with it, um, there's a couple of issues that come up with it because of legacy by association. So I wanted to share a couple of them with you. And the very first one is that legacy is just too political. When I mentioned that I wanted to speak on legacy to John, he had this like kind of look over his face, and he was like, you could tell he was processing it. And then I said, well, I don't like the word, and I explained why, and that'll be my next point. And he's like, yeah, I don't like it either. And I was like, why, because of what I said? And he's like, no. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, because it's too political. And first I kind of looked at him confused, and then he continued to explain. And what he said made a lot of sense. Most politicians want to leave a mark. So when they come into their term, they, they want to lead and they want people to remember them. So they're like, I want to leave a legacy. They might call it a mark or they might want to call it something to remember them by, but really what they're saying is they want to leave a legacy. Now, I am not a political person. I do not want to get political on stage. So I'm going to keep this very quick. Um, politics at best are messy. And most of the time, and I'm generalizing here because I know good's been done in politics and stuff too, but most of the time, the mark that politicians leave are not that great. 
usually, like, and I know this for a few reasons, and most of it is because whether I scroll through Facebook or I listen to people talk about politics, um, generally the, the conversation goes like this. Can you believe, insert politician's name, is going to make this a law or is going to do this or is going to create this change? It's going to do this, 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 and I can't believe how horrible it is. Then the other person beside them goes, yes, I agree, that is really bad. And so if that, and that's, I'm keeping that as, as simple as I can, but like the reality is, is if legacy is associated with politics and on the most part, politics are messy and bad at best, I mean, of course we don't like that word because you're just thinking of things you don't like. The other issue with the word legacy is that it's a lot of pressure. It puts a huge weight on your shoulders when you hear the word legacy. And I, I expressed that in my example with my parents, but like, Honestly, every time I hear that word and I think about being a legacy changer or a legacy builder, I'm like, oh, that's heavy. That's a big weight put on your shoulders. And for me, it stresses me out. And the reason why is because when I think of a legacy person, someone that's bringing change, creating legacy, I think of perfection. I think of someone that's got their life all together or like a hero. And I know for like my comic book friends out there, you're like, but most heroes have a backstory. And it's true, they do have a backstory where they have a flaw or something, but usually they work through it and overcome it and become a better hero and then they create bigger change and all that kind of stuff. Or I think of a real life practical one would be Jesus and the legacy that he's made. It's still impacting people today. And I mean, I'm nowhere near a superhero, but I'm like super far away from, from Jesus. So I, I don't when I hear that word, I'm like, that's not me. I can't be a legacy builder. It's just not possible. It's too much pressure. And uh, I just think it's an unrealistic expectation for a normal person. But luckily for us, this is not fully what is meant by legacy. And today we're going to be digging into a passage and looking at some verses that talk about a legacy that's meant for everyone. A legacy that each and every one of us can get into, we can take part in, and we can dig deep it's not meant for the people with their lives together or the heroes. It's meant for the everyday person. And I'm really excited to dig into it, and I'm also really nervous about it. So I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to give a quick preface to it. So Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4 reads, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, I want to preface this by saying I am not a parent. I am by no means going to tell you how to parent. That would be foolish of me. Uh, when I come to this passage, I come to it from the perspective of a child. And when I look at the parent section of it, I look at, look at it as a way that I'm hoping that when I'm a parent, I'll be able to parent that well. Um, I just wanted to say that because it's very, very easy to say, well, he doesn't know, he's not a parent, and I just don't want to listen to him because of that, and I don't want that to be an issue. I'm not coming to you telling you how to parent. That's not my thing. And in, in case you're like a grown adult and you, know, you see your parents sometimes, but you don't hang out with them, uh, that often, and, or, and you're like, I don't really, I don't think this applies to me. This passage still actually does apply to you because the root of what it's getting at talks to you. So if you think this doesn't matter to me and I can just pull out my phone and start scrolling through some type of social media and check out, please don't. 
Because it's very easy to say to yourself, oh, this doesn't apply to me and move on. That's the easy way when you come to scripture. The hard way is saying, okay, but what can I still get from it? And in times when I have done that, I have learned and grown so much. So with that, let's work through this verse by verse. So verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Wouldn't like the first half of this verse just be amazing if that was it? <laughs> Children, obey your parents, exclamation point. Thanks, Paul. You're killing it. <laughs> Done. Because then, and, and I know this because I've been that kid, but in the situation where you tell your kid to do something and they just keep asking why, you're like, clean your room. Well, why? Well, because we don't want to have a messy room. But why? Well, because it, you know, it can create lint. They can get, like, bugs and stuff if you let your room get too dirty. But why? And it just you keep going and keep going. And then finally, as a parent, you're just like, because I'm your parent and I told you to. And it's like, that's just what you've got left. It would be so much cooler if it was that. And you could just say, well, because the Bible says, right there, you got to do it. Sorry. But <laughs> I think there would be a lot more Christian parents in the world if that was a verse. <laughs> What Paul's actually doing here is he's addressing the child first. And I love that. This verse is not saying children, or sorry, it's not saying parents, make sure your children obey you. It's saying children, obey your parents. Why? Because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Now, Paul's saying a couple of different things here. First, he's saying that kids should follow their parents obey them and lead and follow their example as the parents set the example of following God. Now, as a kid, it's very easy for me to say this now because then I can be like, well, I'm just not going to listen because you're not following God. But that's not, that's not what, it, what it's getting at. It's, what it's saying is as when it comes to parenting, it's the kid's job to obey their parents and it's the parent's job to lay out the expectation of following God and to raise the kids to serve God wholeheartedly and, and I know that's not necessarily an easy thing because we all know that a faith decision is personal and you can't force it on anyone. But that's what it's saying is kids obey your parents as they lay out and set the example of following God. The second part is that following your parents and obeying your parents is actually a part of us worshiping God. So as our parents are doing their absolute best to lead and lay out the example of following God. It's our job as kids to obey and follow them. And that is actually an act of worship towards our great and heavenly Father. When we say, yes, mom and dad, and we do what they ask, that is a way of us worshiping the Lord. And that is so, so beautiful. Let's keep, and I, but the nice thing is, is it's not saying follow your parents to a perfect example right? Because we all know that we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. It's, the standard is still Jesus. The goal is for us to still, be, to still follow Jesus, to still pursue Jesus. And the cool, the cool part of it is that God brings examples around us. And hopefully two of them will be our parents. And they'll be able to show us what it means to follow God, what it means to worship, what that looks like in an everyday practical thing, not just on a Sunday morning. So let's keep reading. Verses 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Now this is a direct quote 
from the Old Testament that Paul is quoting here, and we're just going to jump right to the Old Testament to look at it. So Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So this is a part of the Ten Commandments. And I, I just, I love the Ten Commandments. They were like the, the structure and the lay down of what it meant to worship God, to engage in God, to follow God. And they were laid out so well, and they're broken into two parts. First part is the vertical relationship, and the second part is the horizontal relationship. And in case you don't know what I mean by saying that, is the vertical relationship has to do with us and God, how we interact with God, how we worship God, how we communicate with him. And then the horizontal relationships is how we deal with us, each other, the people in our lives, the people we bump shoulders with every day. Those, those are the horizontal relationships. And the Ten Commandments, the very first four of them are the, all about the vertical relationship between us and God. And the last six of them are all about the horizontal. And I, I like it because it's almost like God knew it was going to be easier for us to worship him than it would be to relate with the people around us. So we had to put more rules in place because when we deal with other people, it's messy. When we look at God, he's perfect. So it's very easy to either love God or hate God, depending on what you view of him. Very rarely do you meet someone that's like, I kind of so-and-so God. It just, it doesn't happen. Usually it's either they're, they're on fire, they're growing, they're loving him and they're worshiping him, or they want absolutely nothing to do with him. Very rare is it in the middle. And that's because God is perfect. And when he makes a promise, he follows through on it. When he says he's going to do something, he does it. But when we deal with other people, we're not perfect, and we make mistakes. And sometimes we don't honor our word, or sometimes our, we threw our baseball through our neighbor's window. Or maybe we bumped into someone's car, and we said, oh, I'm going to give you the money for it, and then we just hope they didn't ask again. I mean, it... It happens. Relationships horizontally are messy at best. And because of that, we, we needed more structure and guidance because how we deal with each other is still an act of worship. And it's still a part of being a follower of God. So I want to park on the word honor here for a second. When John and I were talking about the original language for it, and the reason why I always point John out when it comes to the language is because I'm really bad at the languages, so I, I need someone that knows them better than me, and Matthew wasn't there. So I went to John. <laughs> I went to John, and I asked them, okay, what is, what is going on with this word in the original language in, in Hebrew for the word honor? And he told me that it translates as weight or glory. And I love that it does that because... When you talk about something like obeying your parents, you're like, oh, that's kind of like a pressure thing. When you talk about legacy, that's definitely a pressure thing. But when kids choose to obey their parents and follow them and give honor to them, and then when parents raise their kids up to know God and to lead them to be decent human beings that can interact in society well, we give glory to God. And that is so amazing. So the weight of it is in the moment, but the after effect is all glory to his name. And isn't that so wonderful? It's a beautiful picture. But the one thing I always wondered when looking at this passage was why is there a promise? Why is there a promise? 
And I, so I dug into the commentaries, and I just wanted to see, okay, like, why are they talking about this promise? It seems very weird that God would say, you know, you're going to live a full life on the land that he's giving you. How would he, how would he know that? Because people's lives are called out at different times, and he can't promise everyone they're going to live a, a full life because everyone's perspective of what a full life is very different. Someone's perspective of a full life could just be, I have great relationships with people. Another person's perspective of a full life could be that they have a huge bank account. Another person's perspective of a full life is that they live to 200. I mean, we don't, we don't know what, our, what the perspectives are, so why would he promise that? Well, there's a couple of things going on there culturally. One, culturally disobeying your parents could actually be a discipline of death. So if you brought dishonor on your parents, it would have been okay for the parents to execute and to kill you, which is like, that's taking discipline to a whole new level. And I'm so glad that's not the way it is today because I don't know if I'd be around. I was a bad kid. <laughs> so, like, so like, that was a very literal sense for it of like, you know, if you obey and give honor to your parents, that's probably going to be a good thing for you. But then it was also setting up a culture of respect. This is saying to the kids, if you, do in, if you put in the work now, to give honor to your parents, one day when you become parents, it'll be the cultural expectation that you honor your parents. And it would have been really cool if this actually like took full traction. But that would be like the perfect scenario for life on this world. Where we just have respect for other people. And it's not something that they have to earn. It's something that they get at the beginning. Now, I mean, they could lose it. But, like, at least start with it, and, and that would be so much easier because the way we'd interact with everyone would be so, so different. Let's look at our last verse. Ephesians 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you, tr- by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So Paul starts off, he addresses the kids, and he says, All right, kids, obey your parents. Watch them as they set the example of what it means to worship and engage with God. Grow up into that and listen to them and give honor to them. That'll be worship towards God. And then he turns to parents. And this is the part that I was scared of. He says, he challenges them not to raise kids up in anger. Now what he's not saying is that your kids can never be angry. Because I know from my own experience as a kid, I have been angry at my parents and I have been wrong. Many, many times. Quite often, <laughs> quite often, <laughs> my dad in the back, hmm. <laughs> As I got older, I learned a little bit more. But quite often, when, when you disagree with your parents on something, they're usually telling you from their own experience, and they're saying, we don't do this because it's going to end badly. But in a kid, you just think, no, my parents are, are old school. They don't know what's current anymore. So why should I listen to them? But I'm, I'm telling you now, full disclosure, all students, young adults, kids, listen to your parents. Like, just, like, they're, they're doing the best they can. Listen to them. And, you know, use the Bible as a way to help you grow and learn and, and challenge your parents, too, because it's a two-way street. And so you can challenge your parents if you think that there's an area that they need to work and grow in, but also remember that you need to do it out of honor and respect because they are so amazing. Anyways, I'm going to put that caveat aside. Go back to our passage. 
So it's not saying anger. I think the better word for this would be resentment. It's, not, it's talking about like your kids grow up and they never call you because they just don't want to talk to you anymore because they're just so done with you. And what that resentment does is it actually kind of builds like this hate inside your heart. And I don't know if you've ever tried to have a relationship with someone you hate, but it doesn't go well. And when you have hate in your heart and it's built there, it like boxes it in and hardens it and it just makes it so hard to engage with people and most importantly to engage with God. When your heart's hardened, it's just not easy. So it's saying, parents, raise your kids up. Teach them how to follow God. Teach them how to pursue him. And if you do that, there won't be anger and resentment. Because as you're working towards worshiping God, even when you have the tough conversations, Christians should love the hard conversations. Because that's where we grow. I was chatting with Don um, before the message, and, and he said that, you know, really, most of the shaping in our lives and our faith comes in the valleys. And that's the truth. It's those hard conversations where you really grow as a person. The fluffy, great stuff, that's awesome, because like, those are great moments to remember. But that's not where you grow. That's not where you hit the ground running. This whole section of scripture is actually talking about legacy. And there's a lot that we can pull out of it. But Paul challenged the church in Ephesus to set up a legacy of Christ followers that were loving and worshiping God. This Before and after the section of scripture, um, Paul's actually talking about a few different key relationships that would have been common. So the first one is husband and wives. And he talks about how they're to relate with each other. Again, not an area I know in, and I'm not going to go there. Um, the second one is... Um, kids and parents, and how they're to relate with each other. And then the third one is slaves and slave masters, because those were the common relationships. And in every single one of these, it's not saying the other person needs to do a better job. It's saying that you need to start with yourself. And legacy is something that starts with yourself. Having good relationships is something that starts with yourself. It's not a one-sided thing. Sometimes the other person is in the wrong, and in love you can call them on it. But you got to check yourself first, because any strong relationship starts with self-reflection. It challenges both parties to look inward at themselves, because when we choose to obey our parents, we're choosing to do it out of worship towards God. And as parents, when we choose to raise up our kids, we're choosing to do it out of worshiping God. So I have a question for you this morning, and then a follow-up question, and this is my challenge for you this morning. So the question is, what legacy are you leaving? So what I want you to do today, and this, this is before you go to sleep tonight, whether it's on your drive home, um, over lunch, you can talk about it as a family, or if you're like a journaler, while you're journaling, write down the question, what legacy am I leaving? And then reflect on your lifestyle, the decisions you're making, the people in your life, all that kind of stuff, and then reflect on all of that and come to the conclusion, what legacy is this leaving? The way I'm living my life, what is it leaving? And then follow up, write down, is that the legacy I want to leave? I don't know what your personal lives are like. I only know what some of you have shared with me, and for some of you, I still don't even know your name. Sorry. 
working on it. But I know about myself, and when I reflected on this, when I thought in on my legacy and the lifestyle that I'm living and the decisions that I'm making, I realized that there are things that still need a ton of work. And I am sure that each and every one of you, as you sit and you reflect, there's going to be parts about it that you're like, yeah, that's great, I love that. But then you're going to think about something else and you're going to be like, oh, that's not so good. I wouldn't want people thinking of that when they think of me. And that's okay, because we're not perfect. But that doesn't mean it's okay and that you can ignore it. It means it's okay, but you got to start working on it. And I, I truly hope and pray that as you take time to reflect on this today, that God will show you some, some areas in your life that you need to work and grow on, and that then you can hand them over to him and lean on him and his strength and his guidance and his excellence to overcome them. Because there are some changes that we can make on our own. Like if you sit down and you're like, I wear a whole lot of polos and I just don't want to be known as the polo guy, <laughs> then you can go to the store and you can buy button downs and, and like, but you can change that one real quick. But like if it's something like a sin in your life or a character flaw that you have and you're just like, I don't think I can overcome this. The good news is that Jesus can overcome everything. And you can turn to him, hand it over to him and be like, God, I need help. Give me opportunities, give me chances, bring people in my life that'll help encourage me and push me forward. The great thing is, is that we as a church have a legacy that we're trying to leave too. It's our vision. Love God, love others, and change the world. I know John has said this on the stage, and I'm sure I've said it, and I'm, I'm fairly certain Matthew said it, and I'm pretty sure probably anyone that's preached to you on this stage that has talked about the vision at all has said this, and it's that this is probably one of the hardest visions we could ever set for a church. Because loving God wholeheartedly is not easy because we all fall short of that. But then loving others is even harder, and it gets really messy. And then changing the world is like, what do you mean change the world? But in order for us to dig into this, we need everyone in this church loving God wholeheartedly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In order for us to love others, we need everyone in our church digging in 100%, loving everyone, not just the people on Sundays, not just the people in our families, not just the people in our life groups, but like everyone, even that driver that's going 10 kilometers under the speed limit, and every time you try to pass them, they speed up to match you. <laughs> and like, even those people, you, you gotta love everyone. Others means everyone. And then we need to be all in on changing the world. And I know that might seem daunting at best, but the secret is that if you love God right and you love others right, then change will just happen naturally. And you don't have to try for that one. That's the easy one of the three. Who would have thought it? Let's be a church full of legacy builders. Let's dig in. Let's go deep. And let's build a legacy of people that love God, love others, and change the world. I still don't love the word legacy, but it's growing on me when I think of it in this perspective. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a challenge it is, both as a kid to honor our parents, but as parents to raise them as well. And God, thank you that you've blessed us 
with instruction and encouragement to continue doing your work in your greatness. Father, I pray that each and every one of us are legacy builders, that we dig in and that we get over the, the scariness of the word legacy and we just dig in and we work on loving you more. We work on loving others better. And through that, we'll allow your love that comes shining out of us to change others around us. We pray this in your great and heavenly name. Amen. The worship team's gonna come up and lead us in our last song. Thank you so much for being here this, this morning and engaging in worship with us. It's so great to have you here. And um, I look forward to you guys coming back. And don't forget, Jonah's our new series next week. And it's, it's gonna be awesome, so you won't wanna miss it. <laughs>